When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Looking to bet on the NFL this season? There's no better place to wager than betonline.ag. From spreads to totals to player props, you can bet on anything and everything NFL at betonline.ag this season. BetOnline is the official provider of all betting lines used on the TDN Fantasy Podcast and the DraftNetwork.com. Go to betonline.ag and start wagering on the NFL, college football, and so much more right now. TDN Fantasy. The TDM Fantasy Podcast Podcast. with your hosts, Paige DeMakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast. Chris Schubert, Jamie Eisner, Jake Arians back once again, continuing our fantasy divisional previews. We've gone out west this week. We were on the east coast last week on the show. This week, it is the west coast, and we start with the AFC West here on today's edition of the podcast, a a stark contrast from a couple of the divisions we talked about last week. A lot of fun stuff, I think, uh, in these divisions to break down uh, from a fantasy perspective, gentlemen. And nothing says West Coast like Kansas City. <laughs> Listen, man. Okay, it's the West, it's the West. Coast of Missouri. Two of these teams used to be in California. One of them still there. The other one's not. But well, no, whatever. I mean, I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, now there's only one team on the coast, kind of. Right. The Raiders, you know, left Oakland, and here's where we are. This is what we're stuck with. So uh, we're going in the order of the of the way these teams finish in the division last year. And if this is the first uh, divisional preview that you're you're getting or you're you're listening to, we do this in a, in a, in this format. We go the biggest bust potential for each team, biggest sleeper, and the one burning question we have, and then we talk about some other players that maybe we think that we. They should be must-haves or must-avoid based on their ADP. So we'll give you a full breakdown of everything surrounding all of these teams and players. We'll start with the defending champions of the division, the Kansas City Chiefs. And I want to start with the one burning question because I had a really tough time coming up with one. Really? So, I, I, I mean, there are a couple. There's a real-life football question and there's the fantasy question. And for me, well, yeah, from a I'll- fantasy perspective, I was just like, I'll well, kick things off. Who's who's going to be Kansas City's wide receiver too? Like there is production to be had in this offense beyond Tyree Kill, beyond Travis Kelsey. Who is that going to be? And you'll see when we talk about bust and sleepers, they're all they're both going to tie into this question. 
to me, that's the biggest that's the biggest question around this team from a fantasy perspective. From real life, there's offensive line questions and some other things we could talk about there. But I think those fantasy, absolutely impact the fantasy questions, though. Jim. They do. I mean, you're talking they do. About a completely new offensive line that everybody's raving about. I'm not so sure. Orlando Brown Jr. is a right tackle. He's now got to play left tackle as a franchise left tackle. Your line is completely different than it was. Now it's better than it was than what they went into the Super Bowl with, I mm. think, because that was nothing left. Low bar to clear. Exactly. But I, that all affects everything we're talking about with fantasy. That, to me, that was the easiest burning question of all of these, and it goes right into what you're saying. Who is the two? Who's the RB two? Who's the tight end two? How much of this offense can they run the way that they want? And can Patrick Mahomes run for 500 yards every game like he did in the Super Bowl? I don't think so. He's unbelievable. He's the best player in football. We know all that. But all of that ties into what's this offensive line going to look like? And what happens if they have another injury on that offensive line? Yeah. Because now that, it's that really tough. Look, I mean, uh, it, it's a huge question. It's a, that's the, we talk about like Achilles heels for certain teams. Like, look, nobody is expecting aside uh, from a Patrick Mahomes injury, the chiefs not to win this division, but their goal isn't to win the division. Their goal isn't to make the playoffs. Their goal isn't even to make the super bowl. The goal is to win the super bowl. They're there. That is where they are as a franchise right now. That is where they are financially. That is where they are talent wise. And if there's one thing that's going to hold them back, it's the same thing that held them back in the super bowl. This, I mean, this coming, one this guy coming can out. overcome it. We saw, and we've all said, the most, the, maybe the five best plays of the Super Bowl were Patrick Mahomes' incompletions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dude's but a that's wizard. one game. That's the Super Bowl. You could play right. that hard for one game. There's 17 of them, guys. Yes. Right. If this offensive line doesn't gel, if it has an injury, if it just doesn't work, Orlando Brown can't play left tackle. He's really a right tackle. Patrick Mahomes can't play like that for 17 games. I don't, I, and not put up the numbers and, and the wins that they want to put up with. I mean, this, it's a big question mark on this team. That's yeah, I, I you guess get into the fact that we talked last year, like on a really a lack of weapons. You yes, got the very much stars, so, yeah. and then you, they needed some more role player guys. Sammy Watkins esque that's healthy. I don't know who that is. Yeah, look, if if you stripped the quarterbacks away from every roster, which I know that's not how football works, but if we just join with me on this mental exercise, if you strip the quarterback away from the roster, the Chiefs are very clearly not the best team in this division. Absolutely, like, they might be third. Like so. Again, the all the equalizer is you have an all-world talented quarterback, and that can make all the difference in the world, and that makes up for a lot of mistakes. You pair that with a really strong coaching staff, and all that fun stuff makes up for a lot of things. But this roster around him, it isn't Seattle Seahawks-esque from like the Russell Wilson era there, but we've talked about a lot on the show in previous off-seasons, but it's not a Super Bowl-caliber roster around him. They just have an all-world quarterback. Which makes up for a lot. But it does. Is, it's going to be interesting to see. Okay. With that in mind, where did you guys land on uh, biggest bus potential? I went with Nicole Hardman. Um, and again, this is, this is a Same guy here. that I'm fine with him at his ADP right now. He's going outside the top 50 wide receiver. So I'm okay with it. But I think there's going to be this assumption, particularly if he has a, a strong training camp or one strong preseason game or something like that, where we're starting to see that hype get involved where people think all of the Sammy Watkins targets, all of these auxiliary pieces of this offense, they're going to go run right to Miko Hardman. I just don't think he's really that complete of a receiver, and I don't think he ever will be. I think he's very limited in what he's able to do. He's obviously extremely fast. He's a major weapon that you can use on offense, and he's going to have a role on the team. But I don't think he is the receiver. He just can't do as many things as a receiver that you would like from what would essentially be your third pass catching option, but number two wide receiver on the roster. 
I kind of think we're talking about uh, an area where somebody else can come in and win, win that wide receiver two job and end up being maybe third on that team in targets. If I had to guess right now, I still think Hardman would be third on the team in targets behind Hill and Kelsey, but I think there's a realistic chance that it's not him as well. I'd probably say it's a 40-60 chance that it's not him that ends up being in that third spot, and it's not because of injury. It's just because of somebody else that is more complete, maybe doesn't have the high-end skill set on what Nicole Hardman does well, but is a more complete wide receiver. And look, Kansas City's going to need somebody like that, and we'll talk about that when we get into sleepers as well. But Nicole Hardman, to me, is the one I look at and say, uh, if his ADP rises above where it is now and it starts creeping into the top 50 and into the top or near wide receiver 40, there's a lot of bust potential. I couldn't agree more, Jim. I mean, it's the first name that popped in my head. He's not Dante Hall. They want to make him this star player. He's a gadget guy. You, you can play man against him because you can kill him off the line of scrimmage and take him out of the play. Now, they move him around a lot. They can get him deep. They can do a lot of things. And he is really fast. He's dynamic with the ball in his hands. But he's never going to be more than that. Where people think he's going to just develop into I me. Mean, look what he was coming out of Georgia. He's a gadget guy there that never tended to receive a really. Yeah. He's, he's kind of ex- exceeded my expectations to this point of what I thought he was capable of doing anyway. I just can't expect any more than what he's done in the past. They need that, what you just said, exactly a real well-rounded guy that can do a lot of stuff. That's just more of a possession guy, right? Third down guy like Sammy yep. Watkins should have been if he was ever healthy. Even like Devin Funches, right? He can't run, but like somebody just big bodied, wide catch radius, really good hands. Larry Fitzgerald. Now, uh, that was the name I was about to bring up. Like, I mean, like, I mean, that would look- fit. He can't play man, but you have to play zone against them a lot anyway. That might work. But again, if a guy like Fitzgerald or or there's somebody, they make a trade for, a, you know, make a seventh round pick trade late in camp for a guy that might be on a roster bubble somewhere else. They don't need somebody that's going to play a huge role. They need someone they can feed, I don't know, five targets a game. They need to. Juju to have taken the money. Absolutely. That's and Juju the, needed to go there, but that's, you know. That's the perfect They didn't thing call me to ask me for, for advice, but <laughs> I, my mind is boggled by that for a number of reasons. I won't get too deep into that. But a player that, Chris, uh, I'm going to – oh, wait, you have to do your bust. I had a really good transition there, but whatever, Chris. I guess you get to contribute you know to the show. No, You know what, Jamie? You make your transition. It's okay. Go ahead. One player – that could, and I don't think it's right away, but maybe as the season goes on, that could turn into that sort of player for them, rookie Cornell Powell. That's my sleeper right now. Not sure I'm going to draft him yet, but he's going to be more of a guy that I kind of have that like waiver wire little star next to as I look throughout the season. You know, right now he's going uh, as the wide receiver 108, so that's undrafted in most leagues. I still think he's, he's incomplete as well. Um, they're limited in what he can do. But he's someone I kind of want to keep an eye on to see, particularly if Demarcus Robinson doesn't really do anything more than what he's done before. Can Cornell Powell be that, you know, three, four targeted game slot guy, almost like a check down option for Patrick Mahomes at some point? Because there's really not many sleeper options on the Chiefs. Everybody kind of knows who's doing what and where. I got one. I got your boy. Daryl Williams. Yeah, that's fair. He's going to play. He's going to play a lot on third down still. Uh, no Le'Veon Bell. I think his role increases from what it was last year, and it was really strong on this team. Now, we all expect CEH to go off and be bigger than he was, and I think that's going to be the case. But we know Andy Reid. We know they want to keep him fresh. It's 17 games now. I think I think Darrell Williams is a sleeper worth paying attention to. Catches it good. He's going to be in on a lot of passing downs. The problem is Patrick Mahomes never checks it down. But 
we go back to the offensive line issue. How much does he want to run around and try to make big plays? And how much does he finally learn to take what the defense gives him? If you got to check it down, you got to check it down. And I think there's point. something to pay attention. I'm not drafting him, like you said, Jane, but sleeper is star next to the guy, pay attention, watch the first couple games closely. And they've got a couple big ones coming out of the gate. So you're going to get to see who they're going to really lean on when, when it's nut cutting time. I think he's going to be a big, big part of this offense again. And if something happens to Clyde Edwards Alaire, we have seen over the last few years, whether it was Damian Williams, whether it was um, even Kareem Hunt at times, that Daryl Williams can have success when he's the starting running back there. So, and they're not afraid to run him either. He's not just a third down only type of back. They'll they'll run the offense the exact same way with him. Andy Reid loves his veteran backs. Uh, I like that one as well. He he's a waiver wire speed dial guy for me as well. Hi, Chris. All right, let's move on. Well, I just want to move on to the team that I think is the most difficult team to figure out in this division. That's the Las Vegas Raiders. Which of these, which of these three things do you want to tackle first? Um, Okay. Well, let's go with busts because I was a little surprised because I've, as you know, I've kind of been in my projections rankings hole. Okay. So I've really started to kind of dark hole too. Yeah, it really is. I started to emerge uh, and try to see where early ish ADP is on some of these players. And for the most part, even if I'm higher or lower, like I kind of know where the fantasy community is going to value these players and where I'm higher or lower on. I was flabbergasted this morning to check wow. and see that Henry Ruggs the third has a top fifty wide receiver yeah. ADP right now. <laughs> Look, I love Henry Ruggs III. I was a Henry Ruggs apologist when he came out of Alabama. I really loved him. Um, made me some really fun, nice money on draft props that year. But what in the world have we seen from any usage that he had last year, any comments from anybody, or quite frankly, anything that John Gruden has done since he came back to be the coach of the Raiders that gives you an indication that Henry Ruggs should be taken essentially where he was taken last season as a as a borderline wide receiver for like I need to see it like I, they had no plan for him at all last season they did not get creative in the way they used him they have equally as no weapons now as they did last season like I, I I'm not saying Henry Ruggs can't be good and can't be a borderline top 50 receiver it is well within the realm of possibility but to draft him there right now with literally no evidence to tell us that we should with all of these other really strong receivers that we talk about, like he's right now my wide receiver 77. And he's going at, as the wide receiver 49. Um, at that ADP, there's so much bust potential. That's huge. You know who else would be great in Kansas City, by the way? Brian Edwards. Yeah. Like that big bodied pretty son of a gun would be a great second option there. I don't think they're trading that one anytime soon. Uh, I love that, James. I made 50. All those little drag routes and rubs and underneath stuff they run with Waller, they should be running with him too. Run mm-hmm. them against each other and let him dump them off one way or the other. That's the stuff we talked about last year in the preseason. He's not just vertical. Let him take it horizontal and get vertical and make, you know, right after the catch. Uh, he's got sleeper potential, but not at 50. I mean, he's a top 36 guy, but they don't know how to use him. So there's like sleeper potential if you look at it there, but where he's going right now, you saw nothing last year to do that. I put Josh Jacobs as my as my bus potential. Kenyon Drake's addition, they he can catch, but they never throw it to him. Uh, he takes a huge workload, and I think they're going to take some of that off of him. I think they want to try to keep him healthier than he's been the last couple of years. I think that could be more of a split than people are talking about, and he's still pretty high 
in people's minds because you're, you're looking at, okay, a lot of people look at Nick Chubb and then Josh Jacobs is behind Derrick Henry is getting those carries and being just yard monsters. And a PPR format, I don't think he helps you that much. I'd like to play a fun little uh, game here with everybody, if that's okay. I have the ADPs listed at the wide receiver position, and Henry Ruggs is 49th. I'm looking at fantasypros.com. I'm going to start reading names that are directly behind Henry Ruggs, <laughs> and I want to see. For a while. I want to see how long it takes before we get to a player where you want to take Henry Ruggs over that player. Okay, and we might be here for 10 minutes, but you know what? I think this is a fun exercise. Mike okay. Williams at 50. All right, Corey Davis at 51. Cole Beasley at 50. Okay, Cole Beasley at 52. Darnell Hell Mooney no. at 53. T.Y. Hilton at 54. Marvin Jones at 55. Miko Hardman, 56. Yes. Russell Gage. Okay. Miko Hardman is where. Miko Hardman at this point. Okay, so that's where Jake is stopping. Jamie wants me to keep going here. No, I have to yeah, keep going uh, for me. Russell Gage at 57. Elijah Moore at 58. Rashad Bateman at 59. Jalen Rager okay, at okay, 60. Okay, okay. Bateman. Bateman's too high, but. So 59. So yeah. that's that's the that's the gap. Here. But I, I bet you there's a lot more. Other, there's a lot of other players there. I just think everybody's in love with Bateman. And by the way, I'm in love with Bateman, the player. I'm just not in love with his not year one fantasy value. Yeah, yeah, year one is, is, is an interesting situation there. Uh, so we did bus potential uh, sleepers for the Las Vegas Raiders. Easy, John Brown. That's who I have. Yep, that's why I have as well. People I went with a different one. But boy, smoke, man, he was great in Arizona. He was great when healthy in Buffalo. In Buffalo, he actually figured it out and played every game. I mean, he had some real injuries, but the sickle cell stuff that kept him off the field in Arizona that he struggled with, had to get the IVs and all that. It looks like he's got under control. I think he's going to be phenomenal. You got to talk about a guy that can run everything in the route tree, can get deep, has plenty of speed. He's, I think he's going to be a forgotten guy when drafts roll around like he kind of has been in the past. But you shouldn't be – their number one guy shouldn't be a sleeper. But I think yeah. he's going to be. Wide receiver 63 in ADP, and I'm just going to tie because I also have John Brown into my burning question for this team is, is outside of Darren Waller, who emerges as a legit pass catching threat? We just had the conversation about Henry Ruggs. I think it also applies here. And John Brown is going to be that guy, right? I just feel like he's the guy that is going to be able to step into that role outside of Darren Waller. So, yeah, I, Jake, I'm with you. Wide receiver 63 is lower than Henry Ruggs ADP wise. I would be all over John Brown. Got it. Got to stay healthy. Got to stay on the field. Right. That, that's right. the one key with him. I'm going to go with another wide receiver that's a sleeper. Uh, Hunter Renfro. Dude yeah. just get is productive. Uh, he's, ne- he's not going to be a league winner. He's not going to be a guy that you're going to start every single week. He's probably not going to be a guy you start when there are no teams on bye. But during bye weeks, he is somebody that you're going to absolutely want to have on your bench as a high floor option that they go to constantly, that they pepper targets with. Right now going as the wide receiver 104 in ADP. I have him as a, as my wide receiver 71. Uh, he's absolutely somebody that you want to have on your bench. Um, you know, he's just a guy that you love to use during bye weeks. He's going to be in a lot of those, you know, mid season waiver wire ads lists. He's not going to be somebody that's going to blow you away, but you know what? Sometimes when you have these four teams or that, or those crazy hell 16 bye weeks, you have injuries. Dude, it's a guy that's going to get you eight points. You know, it's not going to look sexy. Nobody's going to go, oh, man, I can't believe I'm facing Hunter Renfro this week. But sometimes you just need that high floor option just to get you by either in the third wide receiver spot or a flex spot or if something happens. Again, he is he's a guy that is perpetually underrated. And the fact that he is going 55 spots behind Henry Ruggs is mind numbing to me. They got a big conundrum when they go 11 personnel, which they're in a lot, right? Who's the receiver that's getting left out? They love Brian Edwards. Yeah. Ruggs was a top receiver taken last year in the first round. You got to have him on the field. John Brown's going to be much better and more well-rounded than both. 
And then, oh, by the way, you got Renfro playing on the slot. The quarterback absolutely loves. And you know Waller's out there, and they move him around a lot. What is that going to look like? Who's getting left off the field? Are they going to go four wides more? I don't think so. No, somebody's going to I mean, get Waller left off. Waller's technically going to be one of those if that's the case. He's always on the field. But that's, that's going to be something they got to figure out. If all those guys are healthy, does John Brown move in the slot and take some of Hunter, Hunter Renfro's targets away? Is it vice versa? Does Ruggs come off the field because – John's playing out wide because Brian Edwards is healthy and they love that big body over there. It, that's it's going to be really something interesting to pay attention to. And it has big fantasy implications of who's on the field that much. What's the target share look like? Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and last year I'm trying to see right now uh, it was really, it was Brian Edwards that was coming off the field more often than not um, in, in that. And they were actually, they were taking, so rugs and rugs and Renfro were on the field, a very similar amount. Like those but two are on the, the field. Edward like is the, the guy you hear them talking about. Like they love yeah. the progression. They love that big body. They love him being out there, especially if they want to run it or play action. He's a bigger guy that can block. We are not getting that from John Brown or Ruggs. It's, that's going to be, it's going to be interesting to pay attention. You're not getting it from Renfro either. Your guys is one burning question. I know I gave mine for this team, but uh, anything for you guys that's different. Mine was the usage of rugs. So we, we, we've touched on that. Yeah. My mind is like, which pass catcher step up. Right. We, we named a lot of names so far in this segment. None of them that we're overly enthusiastic about. Like, we like John Brown, but it's not like, we're like, oh, you have to draft him no matter what and get him in your lineup. Who steps up on this team? And last year it was Nelson Aguilar. Like, were you mm-hmm. starting that back, the back two-thirds of the season when he was a very viable fantasy option for you? Uh, obviously, we know Darren Waller is going to be elite. We have no questions about that. But aside from him, who is going to step up in this offense? They got a quarterback who, in my mind, is coming off probably statistically his best season of his it career. He was top eight quarterback last year. He couldn't. Yeah. He can't play better than he played last year. Yeah, but coming off no. the best year of his career with far fewer weapons than he had earlier in a career when he had Amari Cooper and Michael Crabtree, and there was a lot of those connections there. So you've got that piece. Your defense is bad, so you should have a lot of opportunities to throw the ball late. There is room there for somebody, aside from Darren Waller, to be highly successful in this offense, but not a lot of confidence in anybody going into the year aside from Waller. There's a, it's, a, it's not a bad receiver room, but they got to be – they all got to progress and they all got to stay healthy or it gets bad quick. They're literally in the same position they were two years ago where we go and we look at the room and go, if they had a number one, we'd be really excited about it. And then the whole Antonio Brown stuff happened. Mm-hmm. And that kind of – it set everybody back. But going back to when they had like Tyrell Williams as their number two when they had some of – and Hunter Renfro as the rookie in the slot. Like they had some of these pieces that you liked. And again – if we had like John Brown as a number two and Henry Ruggs and, and Brian Edwards as the third, and you could bring in Hunter Renfro at times as you need, and there was a one there, we'd be really, really excited about that offense. They just are still missing that top piece. The Los Angeles Chargers. Biggest bus potential. I went Jared Cook. I think a lot of people are going to think he's just going to fit right into Hunter Henry's spot. I don't think it's that easy. He's a receiver, smaller body guy. I stick his face in a little bit, but Hunter Henry is a well-rounded tight end that would actually block who's in there all the time, and they're in 11 personnel a ton. I don't know that he's in there that much if it's 11 personnel because they want to run the ball. That one worries me a little bit. I think he he always kind of gets overdrafted because he has a bunch of big catches and he had a lot of with Drew Brees. Now, at the same time, if he's a forgotten guy and he is in there a lot, I love the quarterback situation. I love that there's other receivers. He could kind of also be a sleeper. But I put biggest bust potential because I think he's going to, by the time we're drafting, 
I think he's going to move up a lot of people's boards. So, so Jake, it's funny you say that because I have Jared Cook's name uh, on the biggest sleepers for me, but it's also uh, accompanied with four question marks yeah. because I, I went back and forth with where I wanted to put him uh, on this. And list. it's a new team with a new quarterback. Yeah, right. We don't really know, right? So you got to put some question marks there. I can see either, but I put him down as a bust. I, I think by the time we draft, there's going to be some hype around him in this offense. Here's the deal with Jared Cook, in my mind. You you have to know if you're going to take him, which, you know, right now he is – you're not taking him as a tight end one. Because uh, no. I don't know if you could look up his ADP, but right now I have him as my tight end 17. Um, so he's in that range of, like, barely draftable. But tight end he, 19 ADP. Okay. So if he stays around there, that's fine. Because, look, he, he is a low-volume, high-touchdown guy. Like, his targets are going to be pretty low. He's going to essentially almost be like a, a red the red zone running back of tight ends. Like I, I would not be like right now my projections for him in this offense have him with about sixty seven targets but six touchdowns. Like I mean I think that's kind of a guy that you can look at in that he role. He has gonna, been, but if he's going to be their their tight end one in real life football, yeah. he's going to the production is going to be higher than it was in New Orleans where they put bigger tight ends in to run the ball and he was more of just a receiving threat. If he's going to play on running downs, which is a big question mark, but they want this yeah. offense to look like it looked last year, then that then there is some sleeper potential there. Yeah, there, there definitely could be. I just don't think he's going to play all those downs. I, I think, you know, you've got Parnham there. You you brought in, you drafted Trey McKitty. You know, I, I think they're going to let those guys do the other roles. And Joe Lombardi knows what Jared Cook was able to do for him when he was the offensive coordinator in New Orleans. So that, that to me is there's room in that offense for targets. I just think most of the Hunter Henry targets get distributed – elsewhere and maybe to a true wide receiver three in that offense versus them all going to the tight end, except maybe in the red zone where I see cook having that role. I couldn't really find a bust on this team. Chris, like you sighed and I thought you were going to go with the player that I wrote down. No, because like I looked at, like, I know I've talked a lot about Mike Williams, but his ADP isn't that high. Like people are drafting him fairly appropriately um, as long as it doesn't rise. And, Look, he's still going to be a guy that gets you that those whatever four or five targets again that we always talk about that push it down the field. You know, I, I, I don't. I, this was this was a tough one for me. I, I went with none here. I don't see anybody that I look at and have any reason to believe that they're going to severely underperform their current ADP. I had one name that I considered, and it's my my paper is still blank, but I strongly considered it just because of where he's going, and it is his second season. Justin Herbert's going to QB six. And I considered it for just a second of if he does not match what he did in his rookie season and we don't get the progression that everybody thinks you're going to get, he could start to slip toward the back half of that QB1 tier. And now you you almost got top five quarterback value. So I considered that for a half second and it kind of went into my burning question, which was, will there be any sort of sophomore slump from Herbert with the coordinator change? And like, that's the always the factor of, you now young quarterback, switching offensive coordinators and play callers. New head coach there that's more d- defensive minded. So, I mean, there are some other ex- you know, auxiliary factors there that make you concerned, but I don't think he's going to bust. Like, that was my biggest question of like, right. will he return top five quarterback value? No, but I don't have him ranked there anyway. Uh, you know, he, he comes in as my quarterback 10. And I think that's sure, kind of he, where he'll end up being in that lower part of. Now, I know right now he's going QB6, as you said, six. Chris. Yeah, that's that's too high for me. I think there are six. I mean, probably. I mean, there are six clear elite quarterback options for me uh, right now, and three like mega elite options. So to me, he's not in that tier. Right. But 
I it's mean, still since in you the two are going crazy analytics based here, based off ADP. Drop, drop, grow a sack, drop your nuts, and freaking write his name down in there and put it on there for the bus category. I, what I do like you mean? It. You're, what do you you're mean? selling it. The other thing is, if you watched him play last year, I don't know that I agree with this, but I'll make the argument the other way around. He was either hit it or quit it. It's going down the field or it's checking yeah. off Austin Eckler. How much does he progress in a new offense? How many? Does Mike Williams stay healthy? I wrote Mike Williams down as a sleeper option. I didn't put him as my sleeper, but I put him there. I was like, okay, if he stays healthy, he has an emergence, i.e. Corey Davis. Where he's now the two, and if he Mike Williams is healthy, he's a hell of a lot more than four or five targeted game guys, as much as they're going to throw it. Does he progress into that? Because it was either I'm chucking it yep. or I'm dumping it. If he plays like – I don't think he can play like that in year two. It was easy when you get thrust into the lineup in year one and then just kind of – it works pretty early on. I can see there being a little bit of a sophomore slump as he's trying to really progress in the offense. I guess my concern with, with actually writing his name down is, and Jamie has talked about this before, like I'm not calling Justin Herbert a bust. Like I don't think he's going to be bad next season, but he's going, but he's going in a spot where it's just, and not to constantly tie back to this conversation that we have all the time, but where Saquon Barkley has been going, it's, I think you're drafting this guy at the top, at the peak of what his value could be, and that's extremely risky where when I look at Herbert's situation, new coordinator, sophomore slump, all those question marks, it's just I don't necessarily feel comfortable with him going that close to being the, the, the top. A and write a name down. If you're not so going to write it down, down. You I'll can't write down. Put and, none. And, and I'll say this. Justin Herbert is more likely to finish as the QB 12 than he is at his current ADP. Right. Okay. You know what, Jamie? I'm writing it down too. I'm with you. Jake has convinced me to 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 do this. So it's an exercise. I mean, you got to put something. You can't put none. What the hell is going on here? The Denver Broncos are the last team. Well, on we didn't our talk about sleepers here. for the Chargers yet, Chris. Yeah, we didn't. Oh, I'm oh, I'm sorry, sir. Sleepers. Sorry, my apologies. Jake, you want to? I said Jared there? Cook before, so I'm out. I put I put Mike Williams as option. I put Guyton. Yeah. He blew up at times last year, but somebody's got to step up and be that. If Mike Williams isn't going to be Corey Davis-esque and be healthy and finally progress into not being kind of a bust from his draft position, I like that kid. He showed a ton of speed last year, and Herbert seemed to like him. So I was like, that's a that's a kind of deep sleeper, but I threw it out there. Yeah, I think Guyton, I put down Tyron Johnson or Josh Palmer. Uh, th- there's going to be a wide receiver three. You know, I like Josh Palmer. That's a good one, James. He's young. Um, he's, he's young. young You're talking but- about another physical freak of a human being. Absolutely. And they need, look, they need a third wide receiver in this offense. They do. Uh, they, they need someone to step up. And last year it was, you know, it was the combination of Johnson and Guyton usually alternating weeks, you know, but without Hunter Henry on this team. And, and again, I don't think Cook or the Titans they currently have are going to fully replace that sort of target share. The ball's got to go somewhere else. And there's going to can't just go to Keenan Allen 20 times a game. So the ball has to go somewhere else. And they, they really need that third option. And I'm, this is a, quote-unquote training camp battle I'm keeping a very close eye on because whoever ends up being that number three receiver in terms of snap share on this offense is going to have fantasy value and it's going to be worth roster. Can you imagine trying to defend that if it is Josh Palmer, though? If Mike Williams is healthy at his size, Josh Josh Palmer at his size, and then Jared Cook's in there 11 personnel at 6'5 yeah. and can run, and then, oh, by the way, Keenan Allen's untouchable man-to-man, with Austin Eckler coming out of the back, yeah, that's, that's tough to defend. That's some... Big, pretty guys that can move with huge catch radiuses that make it a whole lot easier for Herbert to put those numbers up. 
I had my uh, rookie fantasy draft in my dynasty league last night, and I uh, Josh Palmer and Jalen Darden were two guys that I made sure to run out and, and, and get based on some of the conversations that we've had here on this show. So I, I had a feeling Jamie was going to come up with with uh, with Palmer because we were talking about I him. I forgot he was there, to be honest with you. I'm asked a hell of a draft pick. I love that kid. You're talking about bad quarterback play in college. Oof. And he still put up monster numbers in the SEC. Is it safe to now move on to the Denver Broncos? Am I allowed to – Okay, thank you very much. The Denver Broncos, the last team up on this list. Biggest bust potential. I, I went a little hot takey on this one. Oh, so did I. Okay, did we all go with the same name? This is going to be interesting. Do we like to go on went, three? Like, how do, how do no, I do this? I'll, I'll just say host, mine Chris. and then you. Okay. I went Cortland Sutton. So did I. I went Javante Williams. Ooh, that's oh, a good one, real too. Hot takey. That is a good one. That's not a bad one either. All right, I go ahead, Jake. Sutton is my sleeper. I think he's going to be forgotten about it coming off the injury. I have I have Javante Williams on my sleeper list. Look, man, I'll, I'll, I'll let you do the first. He wins a ton of money. Melvin Gordon plays through a ton of injuries. He plays every week. He plays hard. He wants to get paid again. He thinks he's still young. He thinks he's still a star. I think that job is going to be harder for him to grab than people think. And I think he's going to get overdrafted because the draft is the last thing in our mind. Everybody saw these freaky plays coming out of Carolina. He's got a lot of hype like you guys are talking about right now. I can see him having a bigger role later in the season. Maybe. Maybe. If his defense plays really good and they get decent quarterback play, they're going to run it a ton. Think about who the head coach is still here. I, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. I, I can see him. I can see him being way overdrafted and people forgetting Melvin Gordon is still really good. In fairness, I have, and I will read directly from my paper here, biggest sleeper. I went, quote, I think it's either running back because when you look where they're both getting drafted ADP-wise, I think there's value with both of them. Well, People think it's going to be a split. Like, in the fantasy the community, is, they think it's going to be a split backfield. I don't, I don't think that. They're both going in the 20s, though. Like, that, that's among running backs. Like, that's the issue. Like, yeah, somebody – it's likely one of those two finishes above their ADP, but, like, I don't know if there's sleeper value if you're taking either one of them because it could be either one of them. Like, that, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I am still on the Melvin Gordon train. Especially this year, I, I think Javante Williams was a guy that they're like, okay, that's our 2022 and beyond back. Uh, but and he'll have a role. Like everybody's gonna uh, no, there are you can count on maybe half of one hand how many teams are actually gonna have a true number one back that they're just not gonna take off the field very often. Yeah, you know that, that doesn't yeah. exist anymore, right especially with an extra game. So Royce Freeman's still there. Royce Freeman still knows the offense. They still like him. Yep. That's, that's still a thing, too. I mean, that's, that's somebody that can play on third down that picks up the blitz really well. That's a big guy. I know we know Javante Williams did that really well in college, but until that transitions to the NFL, I don't know. I think it's just a little bit of a crowded backfield. By the way, I love when stars, and Melvin Gordon is a star, is in a contract year with a chip on his shoulder where they just drafted yep. your replacement. Like mm-hmm. that, that, to me, says motivated and going to look really good coming into camp. And I think he, I think he has if, – if that said, if that defense plays well, and I expect it to under Vic, I think they're going to run it a little bit more. I think that that leans to Melvin Gordon being really solid. Uh, Jamie, I will allow you to speak for uh, both of us on Cortland Sutton being the biggest bust potential on this team. So right now he's being drafted as a top 30 wide receiver, um, which is too high for me coming off of an ACL. And and look, the reality is, is that he's played six games with Drew Locke. And I'm not all that impressed in it. It's a small sample size. I get it. But over the course of the last five games of the 2019, season when Drew Locke came in and then the one game he played last year 25 catches 346 yards two touchdowns in six games so uh, and, and that would be 
over a full season equivalent, uh, excuse me, a full 17 game season equivalent based on his numbers, we'd be looking at 130 targets, which again, he's not going to get to because I don't, that was an offense that didn't have Jerry Judy in it. Uh, 70 catches, 980 yards, 5.67 touchdowns on uh, what the equivalent of 130 Drew Locke targets would be. Now, even if Teddy Bridgewater comes in and is an upgrade, I still don't think we're going to, I don't think it's going to be one that's going to be massively to Cortland Sutton's benefit. I think he's a good player. Um, I, I think he's a really good player that if Aaron Rodgers is throwing him the football, we're, we're talking a different story here. But with the combination of quarterback plays, first year coming off the ACL, to me, he comes in as my wide receiver 42. Like, I think he's an 11 or 12 fantasy point per game player. I like him a lot. I think he's somebody that is a, I would be perfectly happy with as a flex play. Uh, but right now, him going as he's tied with Juju Smith-Schuster right now as the wide receiver 30 off the board, I am i can't take him at that value. Not with this quarterback play, not with how crowded that pass-catching room is. Yeah. To me, I think you're taking him at what I think his peak value would be for this year. We can talk about a year or two years from now, particularly if they upgrade the quarterback position, what it could be, and again, more years removed from the ACL surgery. But for this year... I think wide receiver 30 is his absolute peak, and that's where his current ADP is. I would like to just add that I think if you were to take both the the wide receivers and tight ends and just have a pass catchers group, I don't like that Cortland Sutton would probably end up, based on ADP, being the second Denver pass catcher off the board, whereas I think he's going to be the third pass catcher in this offense behind Judy and Fant. So I, it's just is that based on too- health or based off potential as a player? Because I don't, he's not, Jerry Judy is not Cortland Sutton if Cortland Sutton's healthy. No, and by the way, Jerry no. Judy's getting overdrafted too. Yeah, like yes. a lot. Like both of those receivers are getting overdrafted in fantasy, in my estimation. Like I have, I would again, I have Cortland Sutton as my wide receiver forty-two. Jerry Judy is my wide receiver fifty-one. Like I, I want to be clear about this. I think Cortland Sutton's a better football player than Jerry Judy, and Jerry Judy's a damn good player. If healthy, yeah, yeah. If if all things considered, I just think both these guys are getting overdrafted. But Sutton's getting overdrafted to the point where people are taking him pretty high. Like, what is Judy's ADP about? Like forty? Thirty-six. Okay, that's a little high too. So, I mean, they both could be in this category, um, yeah. but they're they're both a solid fifteen plus. You know, what? Corners on twelve spots. Jerry Judy fifteen, sixteen spots ahead of where they should be. I, I think this is where you have to separate talent from situation. And this is a team that wants to run the ball more. And look, quite frankly, it's a team with really bad quarterback play. Like, there's just there's no way around it. Biggest this is why, why I love this exercise because you guys get all analytics based and look at the numbers and I don't. And then I get bit in the ass when I do something like that because people are already overdrafting Cortland Sutton where I'm like, I can see him sliding in drafts and people forget. It's amazing when you get to draft time, even with a name sitting there, guys forget that name because he got hurt last year. They forget yeah. it beforehand. That's I remember I when I was at Denver, James, two years ago? Yes. Three years ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Year, you're on the, it was you're like on the side playing Oakland. It was like week three. Yeah. And I came back and I was like, dude, this kid is a freak watching him in pregame. And then they threw it to him like nine times. He only had like three catches, but they went at him a ton. He is the future there. They, he is oh, a yeah. star, but people forget mm-hmm. when you get hurt. That's why I was like, okay, maybe he'll drop and that's draft. That's why I was surprised lucky. to see that ADP. Like that's yeah. why, like to me, I feel like, I don't know if it was because of so many players overall on the league missing time because of COVID last year. Or maybe some people that decided to dip out of fantasy. Like, I, I would love to see what the fantasy numbers were last year because I know some people just said, eh, I don't want to draft. I don't know who's going to play or when they're going to play. But it feels like there's a lot more injury forgiveness going into fantasy really drafts does. this year it with really does. like Saquon Barkley and uh, with, you know, big Christian, injuries too. Yeah. Not like, like Christian I McCaffrey. Down the stretch. Like, I missed the whole year with an ACL. 
Yeah. And, and like some of them, like I, I agree with McCaffrey getting that forgiveness, but like Saquon Barkley and Cortland Sutton and Odell Beckham Jr. And like, there's a lot of these guys that just go, man, you know, these are the players that used to get value plays because they were coming off injury. Now you, these guys are getting drafted at their peak value, despite the fact they missed the whole season with ACL injuries or an Achilles injury or whatever it might be. Biggest sleeper. Jake. I put Sutton, but it just bit me in the ass. So. Oh, that's right. Did. <laughs> that's what I, I was trying to see. It, it has to be a receiver for me because Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon are being drafted around each other. I don't think Royce Freeman's going to get enough work to be fantasy relevant as no. much as like real life relevant. There is, I don't want either one of these quarterbacks. Um, no offense being drafted appropriately. Uh, we think we all think he's a stud. You know, Albert O could be fun as if he catches a touchdown, but like that's not helping anybody. You're not playing Albert O anywhere. So it has to be that KJ Hamler or Tim Patrick option there. So Tim at least Patrick's I'm going to go with Hamler. That really finished the year strong. Like he's a good option there. I just, you know how politics work, and it works yeah. in football too. When you're drafted high and you're an undrafted guy, Hamler's going to yeah. get more looks. He's going to get more love. He's going to get the nod in camp as long as he can do it. And we all know what those feet look like. They're going to be enamored yeah. with how he beats man coverage because him and Jerry Judy run these little sexy routes and stuff. Tim Patrick's meat and potatoes, man. Yes, he is. One injury and Tim Patrick is really viable in the soft. So I'm so glad you brought that up because this is where the differentiator in my mind is. When everybody is healthy, I think KJ Hamler is going to be more productive. If Sutton or Judy get hurt, that opens the door for Tim Patrick. So I think when they're running their offense at full capacity, KJ Hamler is going to be the one that gets the most opportunities. But when Tim Patrick gets a chance to be on the field because of an injury, He's a guy that's going to be instantly fantasy relevant, at least as a bench option for you. So it's one of those two receivers. I'm not drafting either one of those two for my bench to start the season, but they're guys I'm keeping an eye on. Yep. Uh, any burning question here that we didn't get to? Who the hell is the quarterback? That, that's well, yeah, okay. Yeah. Real life, I mean, fantasy, future of the franchise, whatever it is, is what the hell are we getting out of the quarterback position? The reality is, is I think we're going to end up at the end of the year, the same place we are now where they don't have the quarterback of the future on the roster, but do they have a quarterback that can at least put them into wild card contention on the roster right now? And whether that's some sort of a step forward from Locke, whether that's moving over to Teddy Bridgewater, whatever it's going to be, they don't have the long-term answer on the roster. And I think they very well know that. And they're going to be big players in the off season next year when things get, I mean, we talked about the quarterback movement this year. But the potential that Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, all these players could potentially be on the market for this net upcoming offseason is going to be is going to make things just as wild. Yeah, it's a shame that you can't put somebody on like physically unable to perform list or something while they're suspended and go ahead and make the trade for Deshaun Watson while his value is down because you can't pay him the thirty million dollars that his salary cap is to not play this year. They're going to same thing I just said about politics. They're going to go with Drew Locke. And the first time he looks like Drew Locke, they're going to go to Teddy and he's not going to give it back. They're going to get upgraded quarterback, at least consistency-wise, probably not fantasy-wise. Drew Locke will flash, right, fantasy-wise. He'll have some big games. You know, it's funny. This division I wrote down on my must-haves, tight end, tight end, tight end, tight end. Yeah. And then I didn't put that for the Chargers. But, like, this Noah Fant fits right in with Waller and Kelsey, man. You're talking yeah. three of the top dudes in the league. And if you're going to go high on the in this division – it's right there, man. I mean, I put Eckler and Allen because the production is going to be there for them too on the must-haves on that side. But man, the tight ends are loaded in this in this in this division. 
That's it. AFC West in the books. And I'm just thinking about it now that we're doing the NFC West on Wednesday. And I haven't really done my deep dive into answering these questions yet. Uh, I'm very Ooh. excited to do that now that I'm thinking about it. Some of the teams, I think this is going to be a tough, uh, tough show on Wednesday to, to answer some of these questions. It's such a top heavy fantasy division in a lot of ways yeah. where there are a lot of superstars and there's not a lot of depth. Particularly, I'm just thinking about like wide receivers, for example. Like think of the big mm-hmm. names that are in this division. DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, DeAndre Hopkins, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods. You know, and then that kind of next step, middle tier, you could put Ayuk and like Debo Samuel. And then there's a massive drop off to like, is Rondo Moore going to be a thing? Is Van Jefferson going to be a thing? Is Dwayne Eskridge going to be a thing? Is You know what I mean? Like there, there's a lot of like superstar potential and a lot of like undraftable potential. Like this is a really intriguing division that's got, you know, one quarterback question, three really strong quarterbacks, one rookie versus Ooh. Jimmy Garoppolo for fantasy three, purposes. Three really strong quarterbacks. Okay. This is gonna be fun <laughs> for fantasy right, purposes. For, uh, you and I, we all have we all have our real life questions about Kyler Murray, but he's gonna put up fantasy numbers. Yes, he is. There's no so, arguing that. So that is what you can look forward to on Wednesday's edition of the show. Jake, where can everybody follow you on social media? Jake B Arians on Twitter, Arians NFL on Instagram. Jamie, follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter at Jamie Eisner TDN on Instagram. And I wanted to give just a quick shout out and thank you for those of it that joined us on Twitter Spaces this past Friday when Chris and I kind of broke down the nuances and the intricacies of how we get to these projections and rankings totals and kind of my methodology and how I get to all these numbers and analytics that Jake was talking about. So hopefully you joined us on those. And if you did not have a chance to do that, just keep an eye out. Make sure you're following the main the Draft Network Twitter account at the Draft Network to kind of see all of our other potential future fantasy spaces and then all the other stuff that we're doing at the draft network. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at true radio, S C H U radio. Make sure you follow the show on Twitter at TDN fantasy. And again, the DraftNetwork.com underneath the fantasy tab is where you can get all of the fantasy content. It is the NFC West on Wednesday's edition of the show. We'll talk to you then. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.